Wow, well, I came across that clip when I was preparing these last couple of days, and I thought, well, let's show that rather than just um, be reading uh, from the Word, because really quite, quite accurate. We're in John chapter 4, and I'd like us to be looking. I understand you're looking at this, uh, this series, and we're on uh, John chapter 4, uh, where Jesus' feet take him to Samaria. Verse 10, Jesus answered her, the Samaritan woman, if you knew the gift of God and who it is, who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And that's the verse I want us really to be thinking about as we think of the, the context in which Jesus is speaking to this woman. So the Pharisees had been starting to cause problems. The religious leaders of the time, they are saying all sorts of things about Jesus. He's starting to baptize more people than even John the Baptist. You know, people are going astray. They're following this carpenter from Nazareth. And so, well, even though it wasn't Jesus doing the baptizing, we read he leaves Judea and he goes back, heading back to where he's come from, from that region of Galilee. Now, we might be surprised. We might think, you know, surely Jesus would want to be well known that, that people were speaking about him, saying that he might be the, the Messiah, the promised one, the Christ. Um, surely, if you want to be an influencer and to go viral, you need to stay where people are talking about you and tweeting about you and writing about you, but, but not Jesus. Jesus knew and was walking, of course, with the Father, led by the Father, and he knew that it wasn't his time to be known in that way. And so he's heading back to Galilee, and John writes, he, we had to travel through Samaria. Jews didn't like traveling through Samaria. The Samaritans were seen as kind of a, a group of people. They weren't pure Jews. They'd intermarried with other peoples, and they were seen as unclean, and Jews wouldn't really by choice go and pass through or hang out in Samaria. Often they'd cross the River Jordan and go the long way round rather than defile themselves going through. But for whatever reason, Jesus and his friends, they decide to go through Samaria. Maybe Jesus knew that he had a divine appointment with this woman. We don't know for sure, but there he is. It's the middle of the day. He's tired the word he sat down is actually literally he flung himself down. He dropped. He was weary. He was exhausted. He dropped next to the well. And somehow he sends the disciples off to, to get food and he's just resting there. And of course, well, we saw that this picture of the, the woman coming along. And she's surprised when Jesus asks her for a drink because Jews don't associate with Samaritans, and, and she's a woman as well. And, you know, Samaritans were seen as unclean. Samaritans were seen as people who had compromised in their worship. They kind of had dodgy theology, 
questionable worship practices, saying you have to worship on Mount Gerizim, not in Jerusalem. And so Jews really didn't want to have anything to do with Samaritans. But Jesus asked her for a drink. She is very surprised. And we come to the discussion that take, takes place. You know, are, you, are you better than our father Jacob? He dug this well. And then verse 13 and 14, Jesus says these words. Everyone who drinks this water, the water from the well, physical water, will be thirsty again. You'll have to keep coming back every day. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The contrast between regular physical water that you get out of a well and the water that Jesus is talking about is quite different. It's not just water you get in a glass. We know that, don't we? But let's just remind ourselves a little bit of this living water that Jesus spoke about. There's a number of times throughout Scripture where, where we meet God being described as a, a fountain of water. Psalm 36, he is a fountain of life. God himself describes himself as a fountain of life. Through the prophet Isaiah, we read, this, we read about this picture of a desert where nothing can grow, and God says, when my spirit comes, it will be like water flowing in the desert and life will be brought. Water in the desert, a fountain of life. Ezekiel has this picture of a sea that's very salty and the pure living water from God flows into the sea. And what happens to that salty sea? It turns fresh. That's impossible. It could go the other way around. Salty water can go into fresh water and turn it salty. But God's fresh, pure, living water is so pure, it even turns salty water beautifully pure. That's in Ezekiel. And finally, Revelation 22, that final picture at the end of the Bible, the, the, the water, the living water that is crystal clear flowing through from the throne of God and from the Lamb of God, mm. that crystal clear water flows and the tree of life yeah. bears fruit because of this water. So these are the pictures of living water, and there's many more, but I chose four. Pictures of living water that we have in the Bible. Now, actually, four years ago when I was here, my text was I won't even ask, does anyone remember? <laughs> but my text was Jeremiah chapter 2. And, and in Jeremiah chapter 2, I preached then about water. Now, what do we have here? My people, God said, have committed two sins. They've forsaken me, the spring of living water, and they've dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. I don't expect you to remember my sermon. And I'm not going to repeat my sermon. But just a couple of things from that sermon of four years ago. Because, well, I was given the text from John 4. And I have to talk about living water. That's what it's all about. Now, four years ago, we talked about the difference between beautiful, fresh, flowing water on offer from God and 
cisterns that have been dug. You might see these, these pictures because I used these pictures last time. Cistern was something in a very dry place, this kind of a well that shepherds or farmers would dig out of the limestone and rainwater would collect in these cisterns. And that was very, very important in a dry place like Israel all those years ago. Well, God was saying, there's two things that you, my people, have done wrong. First of all, you've turned your back on the living water that I'm offering. And second of all, you've built these systems which are a bit dirty and a bit grubby. And even more of a problem is the systems are broken. They're not going to hold clean, fresh water. And we've got that picture of beautiful fresh water or stagnant, stale water. And those years ago when I spoke on this, I probably said something like, what water are you drawing from? What water are you drinking from daily? Are we receiving the fresh, perfect, crystal clear living water that we need in our souls? Or are we filling our life with all sorts of rubbish and polluted water? And God, when he spoke to Jeremiah, he was amazed. You, you hear in, in, in the words that Jeremiah speaks on behalf of God, God's incredulous. How could this be? What I'm offering you is so wonderful, so perfect, beautiful, crystal clear, fresh water, and you're choosing something else that's disgusting, that isn't going to give you life, <clears throat> that isn't fresh that isn't flowing. So we come back to the text, that verse 10 that Jesus says to the woman in Samaria, if you only knew the gift of God and who it is that's talking to you, well, you'd ask him and he would give you living water. If you only knew. Well, I wonder, do we know I mean, in theory, we do. We're in a good church, and we're here on a Sunday morning, even though we could have stayed in bed. It's a bit miserable outside. We've come here to worship. I'm, I'm guessing most of us this morning know how important living water is. But I do feel, as we're looking at Jesus' discussion with that woman from Samaria all those years ago, I do feel it's important for us to just stop and to ask once again, Am I drinking from the beautiful, crystal clear, living water that Jesus offers? Or am I trying to find another source of water, another source of fulfillment for me in my life? When I'm tired, when I'm weary, what do I turn to? Just to distract myself with social media and the internet and TV and films and music and sport and whatever it might be. And many of those things aren't bad in themselves. But if I'm filling my life with those things and turning my back completely on the living water that God wants to pour into our lives. Jesus said, if you only knew the gift of God, if you only truly understood this gift you would ask and you would receive. So what does it mean practically for us? This morning we're thinking about 
water and living water. Well, we're reminded in verse 14, Jesus says to the woman, verse 13 and then 14, everyone who drinks this regular water, well, you're going to get thirsty again. But if you drink the water I give, well, you'll never thirst. The water I give will be welling up in you like a spring, welling up to eternal life. All you need to do is ask and receive. Friends, this is such good news, isn't it? I mean, that, that woman there, well, in the, in the depiction there in the little film clip, you know, she's kind of questioning and wondering. But by the end, she realizes this is good news, yeah. even for me, a sinful person. I've messed up. I've, I've had all sorts of problems in my life. But she's thinking, this is good news. Jesus came for me. And of course, he came for us. How's it been for you this week? Have you had a really good week walking closely with the Lord? Or maybe you've come here and you've said hello and you've smiled at people, but you're actually struggling perhaps this morning. And that's normal. We all go through ups and downs and challenges and dry periods in our life. What do we need when we go through a dry period? We need water. We need that thirst to be quenched. Even if we feel we've messed up this week, even if we know that we've sometimes turned our back on the Lord or have been doing it for a long time. We think of the woman and her past and the sin and then suddenly Jesus is there and he notices her and he accepts her and he knows everything about her, but here's the thing, and he still loves her. He accepted her as she was. Because he wanted her to find a new life. A new life that's found only when she tastes the living water that is on offer. God is in the business of restoring troubled people. Sinful people. People just like you and me. Let's not just judge others and say, oh, they're really sinful. Look at all the things that Samaritan woman had done. No, no, no. This is good news for us as well. However unworthy we might feel. All we have to do is accept and receive that living water that's on offer to us. But first of all, of course, we need to recognize that we have a need. We need to recognize when we've messed up. We need to say, Lord, I don't want to go in this direction anymore. I'm turning to you because I need you. I can't can't do it on my own. I can't go through life on my own. I can't live on my own. I need you, Lord. And that moment of turning, of course, is a moment of repentance and saying, Lord, I I need to find forgiveness in you. And he always welcomes us. He always receives us and he forgives us. And then we have to say, Lord, and I want to drink from your living water. I don't want to fill my life with dirty, polluted water. I don't want to try and dig my own cistern and collect some water. And the cistern's cracked anyway, and it's not going to collect any sort of healthy water. Lord, I need your living water. This is such good news for us. And again, verse 10, if you knew, Jesus saying, if you only knew the gift of God, if you really truly grasped this, you'd ask me, And you're to receive living water. 
Now, the problem is, we've been talking about us receiving. We've been asking the question, or Jesus asking the question, if you knew, <clears throat> you would ask and you would receive. But here's the thing. What about those who don't know? What about those who haven't met Jesus? Or haven't even met a follower of Jesus? What about those who have never heard the good news of Jesus, have never heard that there's living water on offer? Yeah. What about those who have never heard about the gift of God? Jesus, the gift of God. The Apostle Paul writes about this, and I'm sure over the years when I've come every year, I've probably mentioned or preached from Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, Paul reminds us, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So that's the good news. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But then Paul says, but there's a problem. How can they call on the one they've not believed in? And how can they believe if they've never heard? And how can they hear unless someone preaches or unless someone tells them about this good news? And how can they be told unless they're sent? And by the way, those who are sent, they have beautiful feet. Paula's is going to have beautiful feet when she goes to Gambia next week. How are your feet going to be? How, what are my feet going to look like this next week? Are they going to be beautiful? Are they going to take us into places where we can share the gospel? Probably over the years I may have shared about one time when we first went to Moldova. And we were down in the south in a city called Cahul. We are in a teacher training college. Direct gave us permission to share with 400 students. All these students, young people, 18 to 22 years old, were brought into this big room, big auditorium, and 20 teachers sitting on the front row. And the director had said, you've got 20 minutes. Just tell us, your, tell your message from the Bible, and then you need to move on. After 20 minutes of sharing the gospel, I looked at the director and said, that's, that's time's up. And she said, well, carry on. This is interesting. And we carried on for the next two hours. 400 students and these 20 uh, teachers along the front row. But the thing that really spoke to me is we, we were sharing the good news and sharing the gospel and sharing our testimony. And this is what the Bible teaches us. God loves us. Jesus is the source of living water. And what really spoke to me was one teacher jumped up halfway through and she was angry. And she shouted out in Moldovan, Any Romanian Moldovans? She said, why have we never heard this before? She was angry not because we were sharing the gospel. She was angry because she had never heard. She said, if this is true... Why has no one told us this until now? She was about 40 years old. For 40 years, I've lived my life, and no one's ever told me about Jesus. No one's ever demonstrated the good news. No one's told me that in him alone, there is living water for our soul. I've been trying to fill my life with so many other things, and now you're telling me it's in Jesus? Why didn't you come sooner? She was angry because she'd never heard. And the Apostle Paul writes, how can they hear about this living water if, if no one tells them? Yeah. Yeah. Three 
billion people in the world today have never heard the gospel. Out of 8 billion, 3 billion have never heard the gospel. It's worse than that. More than 2 billion of them live in places, in regions, in parts of the world where there is no gospel witness. More than 2 billion people will live and die never having had met a follower of Jesus Christ. Who will tell them? Well, Paul is going. Who else? (laughs) Who else will go and tell them and share and demonstrate? Wow, what a great illustration. Paul, where is Paul? Paul is here. Yeah, you're going to offer fresh water. Let's tell them about the living water as well, if that's going to be appropriate. The living water that's found only in Jesus. The gospel is for all peoples, but how will they hear if we, as followers of Jesus, don't go and tell them? We're moving to the end. You're still with me, are you? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, verses 25 and 26. After this conversation Jesus has with the woman, he promises this this living water that will be like a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Then he tells her, has this conversation about um, her past. He's he's told me everything I ever did. And then the woman says this, verses 25 and 26. I know that Messiah, I know that the Christ, the promised one, is coming. When he comes, he's going to explain all of this to us. This is getting too complicated, too theological, too difficult, she says. And that's when Jesus declares, I, the one one speaking to you, I am he. I am the savior. I am the one who can quench your thirst. I'm the one who's offering this living water. The savior of the world. We think of people, the three billion who have yet to hear. We think of people in Gambia, 95% Muslim nation. We think of people throughout the Sahel, central region of Africa. We think of those in Central Asia, in other parts of the Middle East, of North Africa, of other parts of Asia, where there is no gospel witness. We think of the incredible needs around the world for the gospel to be preached, for mission workers, partners to be sent out to share the good news. But then we also think of our own town, don't we? Our own city, our own neighborhood, our own families. Who will share and demonstrate this living water with people? Who are you going to meet this next week? Who am I going to meet? Where, where are my feet going to take me? I might not be going to Samaria or Gambia. Where am I going? Where are you going? And when we go, will we be bringing the good news? You know, in that film clip, It gives the impression, or Jesus kind of says, I I came here especially to meet with you. That's not exactly what it says in the gospel. And I don't know whether Jesus knew exactly that he was going to meet that woman from Samaria when he went there. Maybe the father had revealed that to the son. Maybe, and certainly in other times, he's going specifically to places 
to bring the good news to specific people. But at other times, Jesus is just moving around and in touch with the Father just knows what to say to the right people at the right time. So I think that what we can perhaps think is, yes, there can be an intentionality. We can sometimes specifically go to certain places and to share and demonstrate the good news of Jesus. But at other times, it's just as we go, as we go about our daily lives, looking for opportunities to share the hope that we have in Christ. I think this last week of one instant where the Lord just opened an opportunity, I started to share and I kind of messed. I didn't do a good job. I, I've played it over my mind a few times. I'd have said something different. I'd have, but anyway, are we open and intentionally looking for opportunities to share our faith? Are we praying, Lord, give me an opportunity today? to share about the hope that I have in you. We saw, and I hope we're reminded, the good news is so good for us. The living water that we have access to. Well, let's make sure we're sharing that with others. Let's make sure that others see this living water bubbling up within us and say, why are you so different? How do you act in that way in those situations when I get really angry? What's different about you? Wouldn't it be wonderful if we're praying and intentionally looking for these opportunities, but also maybe placing ourselves in positions where we can go and share our faith. Paul are going to Gambia. I wonder if others of us could consider going somewhere very specifically, intentionally in this next year. You know, I got myself into trouble a couple of weeks ago. I was in a church in um, Lincolnshire, and I kind of got bored of my sermon halfway through. That's not exactly true, but I kind of, <clears throat> I kind of just stopped and said, let's not just talk about it. I said, I'm going to Moldova in four weeks' time. Who's coming with me? And about eight people put their hands up. I thought, oh, my goodness. I, I, could, I didn't even look at the pastor at the front. And afterwards, we talked. And we've got a group. I think it's eight people now from Sleaford New Life Church are coming with us to Moldova in a couple of weeks' time. Now... It doesn't always work, you know, four weeks in advance, but praise God it, it has. But could I say that to you guys at, at, um, at Blamford? Not, not Blamford, Buckskin. My, my brother serves in Blamford. <coughs> Buckskin. How about it? Maybe it's too late to get a flight to Gambia already with Paul. But what about going to Moldova or Romania? You know, we just sent, we're sending teams to Poland all the time serving Ukrainian refugees. We just had a group of ladies go there. They had a most incredible time just serving practically Ukrainian refugees. We, we, you know, Hannah's leading a team to Serbia um, to serve refugees there over Christmas, New Year. But every week of the year, there are opportunities to go. We could, we could set something up for Easter or summer next year. A group from Buckskin. How about it? Whatever age. If you're between kind of 18 and 90, anyone, anyone, anyone fall into that category? <clears throat> I put a few pictures up. Yeah, all sorts of opportunities. Do talk to us afterwards. We'd love to. I think it was 16 years ago we had a, a group from Buckskin come to Moldova with I think it's time. Time, isn't it? Maybe you've got other, other plans. But the point is, whether it's with OM, with any other mission organization, the point is... Let's be looking for opportunities personally to share our faith wherever we go this week, 
But let's be praying and thinking, is there somewhere I could go, somewhere out there that I could go and practically be involved in demonstrating the love of Christ? We're coming to the end. Jesus says in verse 35, you know, the disciples return. They're like, why have you been talking to this woman? She's a Samaritan, don't you realize? He knew, but they're, they're pretty surprised. And he gets into a discussion with his, with his friends, the disciples. Verse 35, he says, don't you have a saying? It's still four months until harvest. I tell you, open your eyes or lift up your eyes. Look to the fields. They're ripe for harvest. It's not just for something or some time in the future. It's not just for someone else. The calling is for all of us as followers of Jesus. Open our eyes. Look around us. How can we be involved in making disciples of all nations? There's such an incredible need. You know, my role, I get to meet all sorts of wonderful people, extraordinary people. I was just with our friend Dennis, who's a Turkish background uh, believer, serving in London. He's leading dozens of Turkish friends to faith in Christ on the streets of London, going out every week, planting churches, seeing, seeing Turkish friends coming to faith. We just heard testimony of wonderful ministry reaching Afghans in Afghanistan as well as the diaspora peoples. Many Afghans are coming to faith. Somalians coming to faith. Those in Yemen. These are very, very difficult places to reach. But God is at work building his church. The church is growing like it never, never has in the whole of history. We should be excited that people are coming to taste the, the living water. We just had an outreach last month on the streets of London with a number of other mission organizations. And our team was out just for a couple of days and had 148 people make a decision for Christ and say, I want to be followed up by a local church, most from a Hindu and Sikh background. It's on the streets of our cities in the United Kingdom. It's not just what God's doing out there in other parts of the world, but in our country as well. Jesus says, some will reap, verse 37. One sows and another reaps. We all have a part to play. Some of us are just sowing the seeds. Others get the opportunity of actually leading people to Christ. But we're all called to be faithful in sharing and demonstrating our faith. If only you knew, then you would ask and you would receive the living water Jesus says, verse 42, the final verse in our text. They said to the woman, this is the other Samaritans, because many had come to faith, they'd put their trust in Jesus. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we've heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. Wouldn't it be wonderful if in these next days, in these next weeks, people would say, you know, you've been talking to me about your faith in Christ. I don't just believe now because you say, but now I'm learning and experiencing and tasting this living water that you've been speaking about. Well, friends, let's 
be encouraged and let's be challenged as we think of Jesus and the Samaritan woman and the incredible offer that we have to receive living water, but also the responsibility that we have as followers of Jesus to go and share that living water and that hope with others. Should we pray together as the group just come and prepare to lead us in worship? (coughs) Father God, we do thank you. We thank you for this incredible truth. If we ask, we will receive. If we seek, we'll find. If we knock, the door will be open to us. And Lord, we've been reading about this offer of living water. And we say, Lord, we need, we need the living water that comes only from your son, Jesus. Forgive us when we've turned and tried to find other sources of water. Forgive us, Lord, when we've searched in the wrong places. Fill us with your living water, we pray. And Lord, help us to experience you and your life bubbling up within us that others will ask about the hope that we have in you. Give us boldness. Give us courage, Lord. Give us discernment when to speak up and share our faith with those around Give us opportunities. Help us to be intentional in sharing our faith. And Lord, I pray that if you're calling some of us to maybe go on a mission trip somewhere, just as Paula is, we pray you'd bless her as she goes to Gambia. But Lord, if there are others of us, I pray that you would put in our hearts and that we would respond as you would have us respond. Lord, we thank you that you are the savior of the world. And we do bow to you and we receive from you with humility in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen.